Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Money and me on your money, only on Money FM 89.3. Given the importance of finance in modern society, lacking financial literacy can certainly affect an individual's long-term financial success. And being financially illiterate can lead to a number of pitfalls, such as more likely to accumulate unsustainable debt burdens, either through poor spending decisions or a lack of long-term preparation. And this can in turn also lead to poor credit, bankruptcy, housing foreclosure, and other negative consequences as well. Now, you know, I was just reading this new study by the Wealth management firm St. James Place Asia, which found that more than half of Singaporeans struggle with financial insecurity. And shockingly, according to Smart Wealth, it also revealed that more than half of adults here in Singapore say they are financially illiterate. Well, thankfully, there are now more resources than ever for those wishing to educate themselves about the world of finance and Right here to mark its 10th anniversary, FWD Group is expanding their financial literacy program by partnering with Junior Achievement Asia Pacific and integrating financial, social and life skills education for students to help boost financial literacy in the region. So to tell us more about how JA is inspiring and preparing young people to succeed in a global economy, we're happy to invite on the show Kirk Kenny, the Chief Development Officer of Junior Achievement at Asia Pacific. Good morning, Kirk. How is your Friday looking great uh, great to be joining you uh, and and all of our friends in Singapore really happy to be on the show thank you wonderful I'm so glad to have you on the show with us today now talk to us about the significance of working with FWD on this initiative and what this financial literacy program is all about and what's the inspiration behind this initiative sure I'm happy to do that so uh, just a quick word, you know, to start about, you know, junior achievement, um, sometimes referred to as JA. So in my role, we really are able to create innovative partnerships with like-minded organizations who are committed to, you know, really investing in their communities and doing good. And so FWD certainly uh, would be an example of one of those. And, um, you know, I think when we approached, you know, when we thought about what we would like to do together, we, we agreed on, you know, there's no greater investment than an investment in youth. Mm. Um, and in terms of what kind of programming we thought, you know, we thought, look, there's many things we could do, but we thought financial literacy, there's such a gap um, in the current, you know, sort of state of play around education and, and this not being addressed in a meaningful way, I would say, at scale, mm. um, not only in developing countries, but even in, you know, relatively developed markets as well. And so this is, we, we just thought, look, look let's, um, let's make a difference here. Let's do something together. Um, and so that's what we did. So Spark the Dream is a that's the name of the program. Right. Um, it's a holistic program that teaches basic financial skills and concepts. So, you know, teaching young people about, you know, wants and needs and saving and, you know, uh, balances on a bank, uh, you know, sort of booklet and all that sort of stuff. But it also takes students through exercises where they have to start thinking about their, their future careers as well. And what is the intersection of, you know, their skills, their passion, what the world needs, um, so that they're really equipped to live their dreams and hence, the name Spark the Dream. So, you know, in, in a nutshell, the program really covers financial awareness, financial capability, which is goes beyond just sort of skills and make sure that people are actually internalizing some of these concepts, can live them, um, and then sort of economic and social inclusion as well. And that last piece, I think, is really important because uh, we wanted to make sure that, you know, students aren't just thinking about financial literacy in, in sort of, you know, in a self-absorbed way, <laughs> but also thinking about their broad, broader communities and, and how they can apply these concepts to hopefully benefit others as well. 
Wow, this is so inspiring. Thanks for that, Kirk. Now, I understand that JA Spark the Dream aims to benefit around 25,000 students across Asia by next year. And just last year, more than 100 FWD volunteers sought, I, I think, over 2,500 students over here in Hong Kong and Singapore. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, it is. And, and yeah, and you know, and again, I just want to say quickly, too, we're very happy, very proud to. Um, you know, to be able to work with, again, in this case, an FWD, but to really involve their, their staff to serve as volunteers to deliver the program, that's, mm. that's really meaningful, not only for the staff, I think, but also for young people to have that opportunity to interact with, you know, professionals, people who aren't named mom and dad, yeah. um, you know, and, and, and to sort of hear and interact with them, I think also enhances uh, the learning experience. Fantastic. Now, what has been the reception like for the, the pilot program um, from last year in Hong Kong and Singapore? Yeah, I mean, I think overwhelmingly it's been, you know, without sounding too self-congratulatory, I think mm. overwhelmingly it's been very positive to date. I mean, we've heard, you know, from students, teachers, volunteers, um, even parents. And, and I think the overwhelming sentiment has just been one of appreciation for teaching these concepts and, and hopefully making it fun along the way. Mm. So, you know, things like, you know, one of the things we do is we introduce, you know, a budget tracker. We use card games that, that teach students about the role of money in everyday life and the importance of decision-making and everyday purchases. So I think we've been able to do it in a way that's engaging and fun. And so, look, we, we, uh, we're not resting on our laurels. We, we want to um, continue to refine and improve the program over time and take on feedback. But I think it, we're off to a good start. Mm, wonderful. Congratulations for that. It uh, certainly sounds like a very successful piloting program as well. Now then, um, let's talk a little bit more about financial literacy and what have you noticed as some of the main causes of concern when it comes to financial literacy, especially among youths these days? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, and again, I apologize if I sound like a broken record, but, you know, the main yeah. area for concern, the big picture thing is just financial literacy is not taught um, adequately or, or broadly enough. So, yeah. You know, according to a 2018 report uh, by the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, the OECD, um, you know, something like only 12% of 15-year-olds in OECD countries, which, you know, I probably don't need to explain to your audience, but mm. OECD countries effectively are wealthier countries on average. Um, only 12% of 15-year-olds um, have, a, have a decent competency when it comes to financial literacy. Um, and, you know, when you talk about, um, you know, just how widely it is or isn't it's it's less it's less than one or five students in oecd countries mm. that have any exposure um to you know financial education in school so th- now you might think well why does that matter who cares you know um as long as they're learning their you know the other sort of core subjects why does this matter i wasn't so i don't know about you but for me i didn't learn this growing up but yeah i think you know there are real serious downstream consequences to to not teaching this especially when you sort of amplify that out or or sort of scale that out over large populations. So people, and I think you mentioned this in the in the prelude to the show. You know, people are subject to all sorts of financial scams. Mm. People are li- more likely to suffer from credit card debt, bad credit ratings, credit scores. You know, they're they're li- more likely to remain outside of mainstream, you know, banking and financial institutions, um, and on and on and on. So um, again, it's just it's 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 an issue that you know today just isn't being sufficiently invested in and addressed. Right. Right, thanks for that. And I understand that, that the JA Spark the Dream program expansion also targets 25,000 primary and secondary school students as well. Now then, talk to us about what's currently lacking in the current education system when it comes to financial literacy and how exactly does this program seek to address this issue? Sure. 
Sure. Well, again, right, there's a, I, I think with most problems, you know, the, most problems are solvable if there's a recognition of the problem, number yep. one. Um, and then the second thing I would say just related to that is, is sort of, you know, a will, you know, making sure that, so it's understanding the need and then sort of having, you know, kind of an agreement or an understanding that we need to get behind this and invest in this. So again, it's, it's recognizing the problem, lack of will, lack of investment, but also, too, because of that, I would say there's also a lack of qualified teachers. So even if you, you know, again, a government or, or some, some other sort of organization really wanted to put some weight into this and, and, and some resources, there's currently also not that many qualified teachers um, to, to teach this subject matter as well. So I guess the question here is there's a question of who's, you know, who's going to lead on this. And I, I, I think, you know, again, like with many um, social challenges that we face, you know, be a climate change or something like this, mm. education related, I think, I think sometimes it can be very um, easy to become cynical and just sort of sit on the lot, sidelines and throw your hands up. But I think for us, for our part, I think organizations like our own, like Junior Achievement and other NGOs, really have a role to play, especially working with, you know, forward-looking partners like an FWD, yeah. um, to really create, we're not going to solve this alone. Um, it's going to take many actors, but mm. I think what we can do and hopefully are doing is, you know, we can create examples and and, and sort of a proof of concept of what's possible and show the efficacy of that. Um, but to really scale up, um, I think long-term, it, it, needs, it needs bigger backers and support. And so I think a dream case would be that, you know, we, we show what can be done and then eventually a government or someone steps in and, and sort of helps to make this mainstream part of the curriculum. Um, and we've seen some examples um, mm. in other regions with some of our programs where that has happened. So we know it's uh, not just a pipe dream, but something that's possible. Right. I agree with you 100%. I mean, in fact, I wish I knew all the things about financial literacy. And in fact, it would have saved me thousands of dollars when I was a lot younger as well. Now then, to what extent do you think parents play a role in educating their kids about financial literacy? Oh, I think I think the role of parents is huge. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I've heard many people, you know, experts, people who who study this in much greater detail than I have, but talk about that that concept that, you know, look, financial literacy really, at the end of the day, um, has to be taught in the home and and it has to be and the way it's taught like anything you know um, is is to be successfully modeled by you know again by parents by caregivers mm. um, so with that in mind we also that that was actually one of the things that we wanted we wanted to sort of take that knowledge and understanding and and build that into the program as well right um, because again I think if if you have you know you have an education program that happens uh, you know, in a school over a number of days or weeks. That's great. That's one thing. But we don't want that to just end. You know, we want to continue it. So we created uh, a family workbook. So um, students are able to go home and are given assignments um, and, and so, you know, fun, interesting activities uh, to work with, you know, their parents or their caregivers on uh, mm. together. Um, and, and, and that way, I think it's a way to reinforce the concept. It's, a, it's an opportunity for mom and dad or whoever's looking after the kids to right. get involved. And in some cases to also learn or relearn uh, these concepts themselves. Right. I suppose there's a direct relation to the kids as well, considering how, you know, everything, the expenses that goes through the, the parents has to do a lot with the kids as well, would you say? Oh, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, you know, and again, it's one of the, you know, I have young kids myself and, you know, again, I, it's, it's not uncommon for me to be out with, with my girls and, uh, you know, for them to, you know, want to buy something. And so mm. one of the things that we do is I say, I, I asked my five and a half year old, I said, well, first of all, how much does it cost? Look at the price tag, number one. Mm. Um, how much money do you have? And then also get her to think about, is this a need or is this a want? Mm. And that's one of the concepts, simple as that sounds. Um, you know, getting, getting, and, and it's so important to do this early, right? Because these things become, in order to, to really build the right 
habits and, mm. and competencies. You really want to start early. And you mentioned in terms of the ages, you know, there's a reason why we focus on, you know, preteens and early teens. And that's because um, they have the sort of the mental wherewithal to get the concepts, to understand it. Mm. But in terms of their, you know, sort of the, <laughs> the malleability of their brain and their behavior, they're, yeah. still, they're still developing. And, mm. so, and so it's a real sweet spot to kind of get them to understand the concepts and hopefully shape their behavior in positive ways so that these become, you know, lifelong skills. Mm, yeah, certainly. It's good to instill the discipline in them as well and so they don't end up regretting in future. So then, Kirk, how different is this financial literacy program as compared to other financial programs that's available out there today? Yeah, look, I mean, I, I, I don't presume to know, um, you know, all of the other programs that are out there. I mean, mm. we're I, I'm aware of several, you know, that we work with with various partners, and I, I think they're all wonderful. And there's a lot of people doing really, really impressive, incredible things, um, and some of them at scale. So I think I think there's a lot of great stuff out there. Um, I think you know a couple of things with with Spark the Dream with FWD that we're running. I think that stand out for me. You know, one of them as we just touched on is this idea of the family activity guide and and really viewing parents as stakeholders in this mm. process. I think that's one thing. Um, the other thing too, I would say is. The, the, the social inclusion piece, I think that's also quite unique, sort of encouraging, um, you know, encouraging young people to really sort of think beyond themselves. So what we do is we, we actually, at, towards the end of the program, we actually get students to work together in teams to actually come up with a social innovation. So they have to, they have to identify, again, a group. They focus on a particular group, a demographic within their communities, mm. and they have to come up with a concept that would really improve their financial well-being and overall well-being. Um, and then we actually put this together in the form of a, you know, a fun competition where students present their ideas at, at the local level and then the top teams proceed to a, a regional competition, which we, we hold um, typically the last week of November. Right. Um, and that's a really exciting thing. And we also are trying this year to create more opportunities for students to continue the learning journey and learn from each other, be inspired from each other. And so we're trying to connect students across cultures as well. Because again, you know, I think it's wonderful to have teachers in the classroom, to have mom and dad reinforcing it at home. But we also know that the data is quite strong on this, that students, you know, often learn most effectively from each other. So, so we're, I think these, these would be some hallmarks, uh, you know, for our Spark the Dream program with FWD. Fascinating. Wow, that's uh, certainly very, very inspiring there. And, uh, and you know, I just well, I was just reading this uh, mental health survey by FWD, which surveyed 16,000 across 16 markets in Asia and showed that around a third of respondents felt that the cost of living and the family's future were causing significant mental health challenges as well. So talk to us about what the correlation between the level of financial literacy and mental health issues are. Yeah, 100%. I mean, as with many things, you know, the pandemic... Uh, unfortunately exacerbated a lot of, um, you know, issues or problems that were already there. But yeah, this connection or this correlation between, you know, you know, financial literacy and mental health is, is a very strong one. So, for example, a survey conducted by the American Psychological Association found that money is, a, you know, the most significant source of stress for this particular survey was done in the United States, mm. but I, you, I think it's broadly true for probably most most regions. You know, with yeah. 72% of so this was 72% of adults reported feeling stressed about money um, multiple times in their life, more than one time. And financial stress was found to be the top cause of stress for for many individuals. So in terms of all forms of stress, um, you know, financial stress ranks at the top. And and another study published by the Journal of Family and Economic Issues found that financial related pressures and strains was was 
strongly associated with symptoms of anxiety, especially among married couples, and also went on to show that financial stress um, is the, the leading cause of, of divorce. Um, mm. And so, you know, so it's, look, I, you know, and, and there are much, you know, there are many other, um, you know, sort of uh, issues as well that, that yeah. can be more serious. So, um, so yeah, I mean, obviously, this is a very, very strong uh, correlation, very, very strong connection. And that's why it's so important to, um, to, you know, again, instill these concepts early, because look, even by instilling these concepts, these concepts, it doesn't insulate you from, you know, the woes of life going mm. forward. But hopefully we talk, you know, we often talk about in education circles, you know, resilience. Mm. Um, and that's a great word. But how do you actually build resilience? Well, you build it by, you know, by, by hopefully building competencies and behaviors. And the best time to do that is, is early. Yeah, equipping yourself with the right knowledge as well to know how to protect yourself from, uh, I suppose, all these unforeseen economic circumstances as well. Now then, you know, for those of us who have yet to be exposed to the world of finance, it can certainly be quite daunting to step into a space that's filled with complex jargons that are simply too difficult to understand. So Kirk, now that we're on, on the topic of financial literacy, why not share with us some of your advice on where or how an individual can get started and what does financial literacy begin with? Yeah, great question. Look, I, I firmly believe, and I, again, going back to being a parent with young kids, yeah. it really doesn't have to be complicated. Mm. It doesn't have to be, and it shouldn't be overly academic. So um, it needs to be simple. So I think a good starting place, um, and again, this is this perhaps especially true for adults or people listening to the show, um, is to, I would say, you know, use an app to keep, tra- or some other, you know, form, whatever, if you're old school, pen and paper, whatever, but use an app to keep track of your spending habits. Mm. So it's, you know, it's so easy. And again, we all know this. I'm sure your listeners know this too. Yeah. You know, it's so easy with credit cards and automated subscriptions and e-wallets to, you know, really have no friction when it comes to spending, which, you know, day to day, it's great. I mean, yeah. it saves us time, but it also, it also means that, it's, it's never been easier to spend and at the same time have no concept for how much you're spending. Just um, a swipe. So I'll give you an yeah. example. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I'll, I'll or, or just a tap, right? You know, it's just, it's all, you know. Um, but I, I, I'll give you a quick anecdote. I, my credit card um, actually cracked and broke, literally fell apart, which oh. probably doesn't sound good. It makes me sound like I was using it too much, but yeah. that's another story. <laughs> um, anyways, I had to cancel it until I got a new one. And so for the, and this was just recently, but so for the last three, four days, uh, or for those three or four days in between, you know, having it canceled and receiving my new one, I had to withdraw cash every day to cover, yeah. you know, most of my bills because I'm disciplined that way. I, I only use one credit card. That's uh-huh. another tip I would say, if you want to sort of keep things, um, you know, give yourself some guardrails. But, yeah. you know, taking out cash and using cash uh, to spend is also a really powerful tool just to remind yourself of what are you spending? Mm. Uh, how much are you spending? Yeah. Are these needs? And also, if you can track that over the period of a month, so between paychecks, if you have regular sort of uh, income coming in, you'll also notice, if you're honest with yourself, probably different patterns throughout the month. So I think it's you know, well-established that if you, uh, you know, within the f- first few days of people receiving their paychecks, they tend to go out more and, and spend yeah. more. So I think, I think being aware, sort of having a picture of what you're spending on and how much and when, um, that's very powerful. Um, and also what I said earlier about needs and wants, differentiating mm. uh, between that, also very, very powerful as well. Wow, yeah, it starts from budgeting first, I suppose. I mean, think about it. The first thing you do when you get a bonus, I mean, at least for most people that I know, Let's go for a buffet, you know. So it's uh, right. Yeah, and it's so easy to spend. I mean, think about the 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 cashless payments as well, and how you can you can also add your your cards into the wallets on your phone. 
my goodness, it's seriously exactly. there's no friction in this uh, in this space. So I suppose after budgeting, then where do we go from there? Yeah, I mean from there. So it's the other thing. I mean, look, the other uh, the other concept, and and it's a again, it's a basic one, but it's also one that needs to be taught. Is and you need to save, but. I would even back up, and I probably should have started with this. If, mm. In order to save, you have to first earn, right? Mm. And, and so um, now, again, when we talk about earning, and, and especially when it comes to young people, because I, was, I had the opportunity to actually volunteer in Hong Kong to, to teach a couple sessions of this program, which is wonderful, and I really mm. enjoyed that experience. But one of the things I learned and, and I was reminded of was that for many, I think for many um, students in our region, um, you know, because school culturally, generally speaking, in our region is so important, uh, most young people, you know, don't have the op- don't work part time jobs, don't do stuff like that. But either way, you need to start or you need to start putting money away. So whether that's collecting, you know, um, you know, red packets during Chinese New Year, if you happen to live in a in a country that celebrates that or some money, some birthday money or some money mm. that you're able to collect from your parents for doing chores, you need to start earning money and then you need to start saving it. And I would, I would encourage um, as a next step to, to actually open a bank account. And of course, you know, for young people, depending on the age, they may need to go with a guardian or a parent to do that. Mm. But to actually, to actually put the money into a bank account um, and again, first of all, there's, there's a benefit uh, of doing that in, in terms of just not physically having it around you, because if you have the money on you, <laughs> sorry, you're going to spend it. Yeah. Um, so make it a little, create a little bit of a barrier, put it into a, an account, um, start looking at what sort of interest you're getting on that. And then it doesn't mean that you can't use it, but when you take money out, get into the habit of withdrawing and, and putting in a ledger, you know, I'm withdrawing this much now, what do I have left? What's my balance? Right. And, and I think, it just again, it creates a concept for how money can grow yeah. or how it can you know decrease over time and and I think the idea of saving early you know it's so so important, and I think the idea of compound interest is is really it's so counterintuitive, but if you'll indulge me for a second, I'll just give a quick example mm. um you know and again, it's just so powerful and why it's so important to start saving and saving early right so if if you start saving let's say a thousand dollars a month at the age of twenty five mm. and you put that in a retirement account and let's say you get an annual return of eight percent mm. um, and then you compare that with someone who does the exact same thing thousand dollars a month but starts at thirty five mm-hmm. and let's say they both retire at, at sixty five the person who started at, um, you know, at 35 would have, you know, $212,000 and change. Wow. Um, the person who started uh, at 25, though, would have almost $450,000, right? Times. So the idea, yeah, more than double. So it's, it's saving and, and it's starting early. And so mm. uh, as general and generic, perhaps, as that sounds, it's, it's very, very powerful advice if you, you know, if you follow through on it. My goodness. Thank you so much for that, Kirk. Certainly very enlightening for us. Now, can you share with us very quickly what's in the pipeline for FWD and JA? And are there plans for this program to reach out to perhaps the wider audience like older adults? Yeah, it's a great question. Look, I mean, we're just, we're just, uh, we're still very early on um, in the relationship and, mm. and, and trying to think about, you know, what kind of impact we want to have going forward. Um, as you mentioned, you know, this year we're, we've expanded the program already to seven markets with an aim to reach 25,000 youth by the end of next year. Right. Um, I think, you know, we're, we're, we're still trying to explore, are there other markets we can reach out to, but also are there other demographics um, that we can, we can reach, right? Whether that is, parents as well, adults as well, because I think often there's a lot of, there's a, there can be a real sort of stigma or sense of shame for, for older people, for adults who don't know these concepts. And so, you know, maybe there's something we can do around that space. Uh, we're not sure yet. Um, and as I mentioned, also, we have this, this social challenge where we're actually 
um, asking students to pitch ideas uh, for, you know, again, some sort of novel, um, you know, approach uh, for how they can take these concepts and apply them to address a social need, a community need. Um, we're trying to think of ways that we can amplify the impact of that. And as I said, mm-hmm. also connect students with each other so they, they really can, can see how these concepts and ideas really apply to the world around them. So uh, I have no doubt there's lots of exciting stuff on the horizon for us. And I think we, we just want to make sure that we, we continue to scale up responsibly and that we also are taking on board feedback along the way. My goodness, it sounds so exciting right here. Thanks a lot for that, Kirk. Now, before I let you go, though, what is one advice you'd like our listeners to take away from our talk about financial literacy? Yeah, I would just say, I would just say look, uh, regardless of where you're at in life, whether you're financially comfortable or not, whether you're a young person, an adult, a parent, single, it doesn't really matter. I just think it's a real, this, try and view this as a real opportunity to learn, right? Mm-hmm. You know, in education circles, we talk about a growth mindset. Um, you know, just learn. And if, you, and if you are fortunate enough to have grown up in an environment and a household where you know these things, then I would say pass on that knowledge. Work with young people. Find an opportunity to mentor. You know, volunteer in a program like this if you can. If you live in an area, you know, if for your listeners in, in Singapore, you know, reach out to our wonderful team at Jay Singapore as well. Yeah. Um, and, and just get involved and, 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 you know, again, up your game and pass that knowledge on so that, you know, because at the end of the day, we're all in this together. Yeah. Um, a sort of safe, secure, stable society. Um, it's important that these skills are are, are fundamental, and that everybody, mm. just like wa- access to water, clean air, we all have them. So, that's that's my suggestion. Wow! Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Kirk. It's been such an enlightening interview, and uh, thank you so much for sharing us your advice when it comes to financial literacy. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. My pleasure. All right, we've been speaking to Kirk Kenny, the Chief Development Officer of Junior Achievement Asia Pacific, about the importance of supporting financial education at a young age and what JA Asia Pacific is doing to empower young people to benefit from and contribute to the region's economic development and, of course, to create a positive impact in the communities and lives. Continue to keep it right here with us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.